What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to the show. Like, we have been up and down all year long, and then we're cranking out three days in a row. We're cranking out shows. It's the last Saturday of the regular season. We don't have a game to cover. We don't have any, like, we're not even talking postseason. There is just a lot of Grizzlies news happening on the last Saturday of the regular season. So we decided to jump on. There's a lot to talk about. We, after weeks of just bullcrap, blowing smoke, like very weird stuff with Steven Adams, we get confirmation today that he is going to be out the remainder of the season because of the knee. Directly following that news, we get news that the Grizzlies cut Kennedy Chandler, waived Kennedy Chandler, sorry. And then right after that, they signed Junior to a four-year deal, four-year, $7 million contract, which is a hell of a deal. That's a, uh, I, I think that's a good price for him. But it's a lot. It's a lot right now. What does this mean for the Grizzlies heading into the playoffs? What does it mean in the short term? What's it mean in the long term? And were were there other options? Is there something else that the Grizzlies could have done at this point in the season? So we're going to kind of jump into all of that. Let's let's start off with the Stephen Adams news. We talked about it last night. There was a beat writer from Milwaukee that posted a video of Adams out there warming up on the floor without a knee brace on. And it's like, okay, maybe there's optimism. He's getting closer. And then they're just like smoking mirrors. This thing come playoff time. He's going to be fine. And then less than 24 hours later, he's done for the rest of the season. Candace, let's go to you first. What, what, what's your, the Grizzlies have always been weird about the injury stuff or not always, but a lot of times they've been weird about the injury stuff. What's your take on this? Do you feel like they handled this properly? Do you think like, I don't even know what I want from them. Not that we necessarily deserve anything from them, but I, I don't get what they gained by handling this entire process the way that they handled it. No, they definitely didn't handle it the right way. <laughs> that, that, that I cannot say. I, I don't know enough about what exactly went wrong to say if there was a better way to handle it. I just feel like the communication could have been these long gaps of no updates of, I mean, even if they did an update like the like the Zion, a further evaluation, a further evaluation, like you almost, I mean, just the weird silence of we'll hear something by the end of the week. And then like, did it officially even come from the Grizzlies PR account? Because I, I first saw it with, uh, with Woj. No, it was Woj. Woj is the only person that obviously reported and other national reporters that run with it, but I haven't seen anything officially. They haven't put out an official report from Grizz PR. Like we get an email Usually what happens and they haven't officially put out anything. That, that's what I thought, which I, I think is even more strange because it's not normal for Grizz injury news to first come through other sources and then to not have a follow-up confirmation, which to this point of recording, we still do not have. So no, I cannot say they handled it correctly. Uh, and, and I kind of pass it to Isaac here because Isaac brought up a good point about, you know, how for the longest we saw Jaren warm up in November and he still didn't play till. Was it February, basically, when he got out on the court? So I don't know if there's a similar situation with Steve-O, and, but Isaac, got, he called it. He brought it up when the, when the field first came out. So I, I kind of pass the torch to you, Isaac, talk, t- touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, man, it, it's it's weird. Um, and honestly, I 
it I'm gonna say it pisses me off kind of how they report injuries and how they handle these situations. Because I mean, they're not obligated to tell us anything, right? Like they're not obligated to tell us anything, but the, the transparency just isn't there. Like I, I think, I mean, what do you gain from being weird like this? Like I, I, I don't understand. I don't know what it is that you gain from from not not being transparent. I mean, when when you deal with these, you get these weird where they'll say, okay, well, three. First off, they said he's going to be out three to five weeks. And then you don't hear anything forever. And then they come out and you hear Taylor Jenkins say, okay, well, they were going on a five-game road trip at that time, I think, out on the West Coast. And you got Taylor Jenkins say, well, he'll probably be back near the end of this road trip. And then the next thing you know, it's a setback and he, he's not coming back at that point. And you get the news yesterday, you get kind of optimistic. As David brought up, there was a Milwaukee Bucks beat writer that, got a report that he was out warming up and then you start seeing the photos, put photos out, no knee brace. He's out shooting around, shooting free throws. So you're thinking, okay, well, this is, this is probably means that the MRI results came back. They look good and they're going to start ramping him up and he's just out getting some work in for the game start. And then they, you get this news dropped. And I, I said, it does a day uh, when we're on here, like you, you feel optimistic and all of a sudden you get popped with something like that. Um, it, it's, I don't know, um, and I don't think it's just the Grizzlies. Grizzlies may be a little bit even weirder than some other teams, but you saw the Pelicans report that they put out uh, about Zion, just like Candace said a minute ago, a revaluation of a revaluation is kind of what they're saying. And then you, a couple of days later, they might put out something out, like with Zion, now they're saying he's out for the play-in and that he, that he's questionable to, to play in the first round, and that's different than what they said a couple of days ago. I, I just don't understand what – stop these teams from being transparent. It's not gamesmanship. I, I just, I don't know. Um, I guess they say, okay, well, it's, it, it's not, we're not obligated to do it. So we're just going to do it however we want to do it. But it, it, it's strange to me. And I, I just don't like being strung along like that. I, and again, I know that sounds like I'm saying, well, I'm owed something, but it, the fan base cares about what's going on. They pay money to the, to the organization. You I mean, you got playoff tickets on sale and, I just think it's it's weird for you just not to be transparent. I don't I don't know what else to say about it. Again, there's no obligation there, but personally, I, I just wish they would handle it differently. Yeah, it's a really good word you use, strung along. Yeah, it really perfect. I mean, because from the Brandon Clark situation, that we all understood when when that. Yeah, I, I had a good idea pretty much when the injury happened almost, on court. What was going on there? But you almost wish it would have been something like that where they just ruled him out from the very beginning. Yeah, They're doing all of this, he. We're we're working to get them back. We're working to get them back, and then you know nothing, and then not even from them. I mean, we get the announcement that they're that they're waving Kenny Chandler from them, but nothing else. Um, yeah, you know the, the the three to five weeks thing in the beginning. I mean, I, I think that weeks. we can like <laughs> we, we can we can all understand that everybody heals differently, right? Like we we can all agree that if us three had the same type of injury that we're not all going to heal in the same time frame. So like the three to five week window, I get that, right? I feel like, okay, they gave us that in the beginning, but then after, after you hit that, the updates were just garbage. And that's, I know that you can't, they obviously couldn't give you a specific timetable, but there was just nothing specific 
And again, they don't owe us anything. They don't have to give us anything specific, but it's, it just seems super weird. Taylor Jenkins. Oh, you know, he, he, Isaac mentioned, Oh, he's going to be back at the end of this road trip. And then somebody asked him something again. Jenkins is like, we're going to know something April one. And then April one comes along. Well, we got to go and get this test done. And now we're, uh, reevaluating to reevaluate, to reevaluate, to reevaluate, to reevaluate, to reevaluate. Like, it was just a bunch, like, horse crap, a, a whole bunch of word salad bull crap. And it's, it's easy to say, listen, we're not sure what his time frame is right now. We're working as hard as we can to get him back. We want him to be fully healthy. We can't give you a time frame. And so an unknown time frame is better than for me, at least it may not be for everybody, but for me, if you say we have an unknown time frame. At least, all right, fine. Like, I'm going to expect from that point that he's probably not returning in the playoffs. And then if he does, it's a pleasant surprise. But yeah, I don't know that we will ever get that from this team or any team, honestly. And, and I could be completely wrong, but I don't feel like this is just something that popped up the last couple of days. Like, all of a sudden, they realize, okay, he's not going to be able to play in the playoffs. I, I feel like they already had a feeling or for a while that was headed this way. And they just didn't say that. That's kind of how I feel about it. I, I just, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, he worked out a couple of days recently and they didn't like what they saw and they shut him down. I don't know, but I, I got a feeling that they felt like there was a possibility that he wasn't going to be able to play. Um, and, and they just waited a while to, to announce that. But I, I mean, it, it, again, man, it's just, it just sucks. <laughs> I don't know. I also said, man, to to get this kind of news this abruptly, like if if David said, man, just just say, okay, well, we don't know, like we there's no timetables. Give us something. Don't just give these dates three to five weeks, and he's ramping up, and because I mean, even Taylor Jenkins even said, I think last week that he's about to ramp up or something to that effect. Like he's about to start doing different things. They said he was doing some different. I can't remember what the word he was. Was they use all these weird things? But he was doing two on one with. Coach, assistant coaches or something. I think that was like last week. So I, I just, I don't know, man. It's just weird how these things happen. I don't know how you get from three to five weeks to where we are now without there being more information in between, so to speak, that leads you to believe that this was going the wrong way. That That's that's how I see it, man. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, no I, it, it leads me to believe, I wonder, really, are the coaching staff and the medical staff on the same page? Because it seems like Jenkins is trying to give whatever information he knows. I don't want to fault Taylor Jenkins because it seems like he's given whatever information he's last been told. And it seems like things either have changed a lot or the medical team is just not properly communicating these things. And so I, I, I don't even really know whether to really put him at fault. Uh, it seems, and he's, at least he's trying to give legitimate answers to some extent. It just seems like this medical team is just so top secret if not even the coach understands what's going on with this stuff which is crazy to me yeah i, I, I think no i, was I, I don't say, know that it, i'm 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 buying that though like i i get where you're coming from i think it's a collaboration between i think he knows yeah. i think it's just the front office tells him kind of deflect these questions like just say this so we can kind of get move forward to a couple more days so we can say something else i think it's more of that but he's not deflecting. I mean, when he said that Adams come back on that road trip, that's not deflecting. What's deflecting about that? 
or when he says we're gonna have an update April one, what's deflecting about that? I mean, I just think it's kind I mean, of it's, yeah, kicking the can down the road the type of thing. Yeah, yeah I think like, it's just a kicking the can down the road type of thing where okay, we just say this to get these questions off our back. If we say he's coming back and maybe coming back at the end of this road trip. I'm not lying. I didn't say for sure he's coming back. I said he might be back at the end of this road trip. And then that kicks the can down the road. People stop asking about it for a couple of weeks. And then you say something else and that get buys you more time. I think it's kind of that. That's but what I, so I take. It's just saying that the timetable is indefinite. That buys you the absolute most time you could possibly get. If that's the case, why not just say that? And I would be like, if they said that, I would rather them say that than, than yeah, well, for what sure. happened. You know, right. like we, like I, we, th- we don't have a timetable for his return. Maybe it wasn't a setback, but maybe it was just he's not progressing as much as they thought that they, that he was going to. It's just, it's, it's a tough thing. I, I don't know. Obviously, I've never been on the team side of this to know what those updates look like, to know what it's going to affect if you, you know, you release this type of information, like what it's going to do. But from from this side of it, it's just the the communication. You know, this this guy's a head coach. As a head coach, you have to be able to communicate. There's no way you can truly lead a team if you lack communication skills. And the updates and the stuff that we're getting, it's he doesn't lack the skill to give us the proper communication. We're just not getting the proper communication. Or I guess. I don't even know that proper is the right word there because I never want to come. They don't owe us anything, but as fans, as people that cover the team, you know, I I know you saw different riders that, that are following this team that are traveling with this team across the country and their updates were very loose, basically exactly what Taylor Jenkins says. And that that's all you have to go off of. But I feel like, there are definitely times when they could have given us a little bit more insight as to what was going on. Yeah, I, I stand by. I, I think it's a little bit more. I just don't think Taylor Jenkins didn't want to. I, I'll say Taylor's been weird before, so it's not like he has a problem just giving an arbitrary answer that's not really an answer. Like yeah. He did that from. I mean, that's that's kind of his thing. That's kind of his thing. So I, the fact that he gave specifics makes me think that there was some sort of either something changed or some kind of miscommunication between the medical staff and because he he can kick the can down the road as, as much as anybody without saying anything at all. He knows how to say a bunch of wordless words. So <laughs> I, I just don't know. I feel like it's a little bit more to that. I feel like he gave the information he thought he had and something changed or like I said, not good communication between coaching staff and the medical team. I, I'm not really sure to point it to, but. I don't think Taylor Jenkins doesn't like giving dates generally for this reason. <laughs> for the most part, he generally doesn't give timelines. In fact, when he said that he was gonna come on a road trip, I was a little I was a little surprised because Taylor Jenkins is hardly ever that specific. Um, so I don't know. It it makes the whole thing even more weird. Makes me question. I mean, I mean it's even weirder than the Jaren thing, because Jaren they gave a timeline and just nobody said anything. Like for the <laughs> For the longest, this wasn't that. Yeah, I was gonna say the Jaron thing was was crazy though because I remember going back to training camp that year. And I think media day. I remember them giving a the timeline, whatever they said, January, whatever they were saying that he was gonna be back, or 
uh, two months or something. I can't remember exactly what they were saying at that time, maybe two months or something. And Jaron was like, when they were interviewing him, he kind of laughed and looked at him like two months, like I can play right now. And so, and so that was what was super weird about that because was there a setback with him? Because, I mean, he ended up not coming back to the end of the season. And, I mean, he was out working out on the floor with uh, without without a brace on at one point. And I, I was like, I don't know what happened. With, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know what happens with these injuries. It seems like with the Grizzlies, it always turns into more than what they say it is. Like it, it, that's a pattern with them. When outside of Ja, he's the only person that that doesn't really happen with. Anytime somebody gets injured, whatever they tell you, the timeline they tell you, you just forget that. Except this season, he did come well, back. Yeah, early like this season. season was weird. It was different until now. Yeah, with, with Jaron. Yeah, I was gonna say I forgot about Jaron coming back quicker and than right. we thought this season. And yeah, right. but but. Yeah. But that had been a, outside of that, that had kind of been an MO for this team. And I guess we've seen it revert back with, with this Steven Adams thing, man. So I, I, I don't know, man. You, you just have to see it. And the question is, I was talking with, with someone about this earlier. It's a PC, PCL injury. You, the, the transparency is so bad that you're wondering, is this worse than what they said it was? Is this something that, is he going to need surgery? Could this be something that lingers into next season to keep him out next year? You, we just have no idea what's going on. It, I, I just think there's should be more to say. Maybe, maybe when they put out a statement, we'll hear more. But the Grizzlies themselves, as we said earlier, as of right now, as the time of recording, they have not put out a statement at all. The only information that's come out has come from Woj to now just other national outlets have picked it up and run with it. Uh, but, but we haven't seen anything officially from the Grizzlies. And that's kind of weird. That yeah. that part is is weird, but by now that they haven't put out an official statement. Yeah, extremely weird. I I think the bank situation almost got weird. Like there was kind of this kind of this prolonged yeah. going on with yeah. Bane. Where is Bane? And all of a sudden he popped back, and like that that it was kind of the opposite of the Stephen Adams situation. We kept getting timelines, and it was kind of radio silent for a while. And in question mark, can he come back? All of a sudden he's back. Um. And they were working them back in. So I, I don't know, man. I, you thought you had the team figured out with the injury thing based off how they begin to handle the Jaron thing at the beginning of the season, uh, how they handled the Bane thing. And well, well, even, well, Josh thing was weird because they said he'd be out for like what, two weeks and he came back in two days. Something like yeah. That. I mean, that's uh, always what happened with Josh. Like, you it's think like, Josh was like, has some major injury, like he easy he comes back in that game or he comes back in a couple games. He usually yep. doesn't miss but one game usually when he gets hurt. That's because I mean you you some of those ankle twists. I remember that one time where he I mean I was like, man, this dude might be done for the year and he was back in like two games. Well no, <laughs> so it, it was like it was like two weeks. He was like I think he missed like twelve days or something like that. It it was long it was longer. Are we talking about the same one? I remember that, that you talked the one that was that the one where he at the beginning of the season, I thought that was this was a different one. Maybe I'm well, wrong. They, I don't know. The one I thought you were talking about last season. Now this season, yes, he literally came back in like two days. The other one, it looked like he was like it looked like it was more than an ankle sprain. Everybody yeah, thought, I guess that's the one I'm talking about. I don't I don't remember him being out that long, but yeah, it looked like it might be something much more serious than that. Like I was thinking, man, he's probably done for the year when it happened and yeah. his reaction because you yeah. know how tough he is and when he was reacting like that, I was like, man, this dude is probably done and. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that at all. So it was like it was like a, a, a maybe a little under a couple of weeks, I think, because I think he played fifty seven games. He had two stretches of an uh, ankle thing at the beginning like a, of the season. Uh, I wanna, yeah, I want to. I want to. They were playing the Hawks, and I think that's who they were playing. Yeah, when he got hurt. That's probably right. It was it was pretty early on, and then he had yeah. at the end of the season too, and 
Uh, for that one, they did keep him out a little while. I think it was part of the playoffs coming in and all that because I, I thought that they would try to work him in. I remember I was talking about them. I remember he came back with the high tops. I remember that, yeah. yeah. And uh, they they didn't, really didn't play him at all. Really not much leading up to that playoffs. So I don't know. It's just it's hard to predict. You think you've got this team figured out and how they do injuries, and it just seems completely circumstantial. Like there's there's no consistency. Sometimes they're weird about it. Sometimes people come back way earlier. Sometimes people never come back. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's Twilight Zone type stuff, yeah. honestly. So let let's talk about the the move following this, or the news following this for the Grizzlies. And I don't want to just we're going to get to Junior. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some playoff rotation stuff. But I, I want to talk about actually let let's go ahead and talk about junior i want i want to save the kennedy chandler chat for a little bit later so <laughs> you, you get you get the announcement <laughs> yeah you, you get the announcement about man, got, man, got ready. i i do i i've got some <laughs> i've got some notes here ready on this you get the announcement that adams is out so the grizzlies are short in the front court the only guy on the roster and really like the, the best choice for them was to convert Kenny Lofton to a, a full contract. You can't bring two way players to the playoffs. So in order for him to be eligible for the playoff roster, he had to be on there. You have to cut somebody. You you look down this roster, you look at the death chart. Who, who are you, who are you going to get rid of? And <laughs> Kennedy Chandler ends up being the answer. Um, we kind of discussed it. We like briefly discussed this. What do you think? Well, I, I'll just go first. I, I don't think that Kenny Lofton sees true playoff rotation minutes. I think that if there is foul trouble in the front court, that he'll see minutes. And it's not because I don't think that he can be effective out there. I really think that he can, but in the playoffs, your best players, their minutes are going to ramp up. You're going to see Jai at 36 minutes, Jaron at 36. There, you know, like Dylan Brooks is probably going to play 40 minutes a game. And like that's what he conditions for. These guys are going to be ramped up at, at the, their number of minutes are going to be ramped up. I, I don't know that you see X playing 30, 35, 36 minutes a game. Maybe you do, but I think that you have uh, Aldama is more than capable of going out there and being productive. So I think that you see him play a, a pretty extended amount of minutes out there. You have Stones that you can bump up his minutes. Luke Kennard has been great since getting here to the Grizzlies. And obviously Stones and Kennard are not front quarter guys, but taking X out, playing Jaron at the five, having Aldama out there with him, shifting DB to the four, playing small ball with, uh, you know, the, the starting lineup last night with Ja, Dez, Luke, DB, and Jaron. We will see that lineup in the playoffs. So your minutes kind of fluctuate around. I just don't see that there's going to be anything available for Kenny Lofton to actually get rotation minutes because your rotation in the playoffs 
has to shrink. It has to. You uh-huh. cannot play. You can't play ten guys in the playoffs. Uh-huh. He's he's going to. He's, he's going to. There. There's he no doubt the about it. But but he should not do it because when he's done it in the past, it hasn't been effective. When you get to that ninth and tenth man on your bench. The the talent level is lacking there. There there it's either a development thing or just a ceiling thing for guys and and it falls off. Once you get past like eight, it falls off and your rotation should be between I would say eight is a good number, but I, I know just from experience that Jenkins is gonna run more than eight out there. I just think that that's a, a bad decision. But what do you think, Isaac, with, with Kenny Lofton? Do you think that he's going to see playoff rotation minutes or no? Man, I, I agree with you that that's how it should work. I think going back in history and with Taylor Jenkins and his rotation in the playoffs, he's not scared to play nine, ten guys out there. I mean, we saw Cunningham getting playoff minutes last year, and he wasn't even as high in the rotation as, as he had been this year. Uh, before, before they got Kennard. So I think the big thing with Lofton, I think his minutes may be determined on foul trouble. If Jaron gets in foul trouble, X gets in foul trouble, I think that's where they won't really have much of a choice uh, as to bring Lofton in. I mean, you can kind of circumvent that, like you said, get some small ball lineups, play DB at the four, Jaron at the five, and, and stuff like that. But I think there are going to be times where you need him because I don't, I don't think, especially if you're going up against the Lakers, you don't, you don't want to put Aldama at the five. I mean, there might be some times where, like you said, where, where I said that Jaron's in foul trouble and you don't really have that choice. So I, I think there's going to be times I don't think it'll necessarily be the same every game. I think it'll go by game script and kind of what's going on in the game. But I think he'll, I, I think he's going to get minutes. I, I'm not as far along the side that he won't as you are. I, I, I'm probably somewhere in between. I, I think there are going to be different spots where, he might have to play a decent amount of minutes. I don't know if he he's not going to be out there playing 30 minutes or anything like that. But I, I just think especially against a big – well, not necessarily a big team, but you're going to be against AD that can create foul trouble. And you're going to need somebody else in there to kind of bang, to have fouls, they can go in there and grab a couple of rebounds. And he's really that only guy. Once you get past Jared and X, uh, I, I mean, you can, you, know, you can say all dumb one, but I just don't look at all dumb as as that. He's not a person that I want – Inside, I have to depend on him to to rebound the basketball. And Lofton is really the only guy at this point that you have. The, the big rotation was already short. Now you're down two guys in in, in the front court, and you're only down, uh, like I said, going into playoffs. And I think I think he's gonna play. Uh, I think it's gonna be out of necessity because again, I think there are gonna be times where there's foul trouble, and you got to take Jaren or X off the floor, and he's your only real big left. So uh, yeah, I think I think he's gonna play. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. He's going to play. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a ton of minutes, but I think I I expect uh, Junior to get about the same amount of minutes as maybe Conchar got, uh, where, you know, kind of as things happen, um, as needed. But, I mean, he, he he had times. He had opportunities when he was in there. And it wouldn't – a lot of minutes. It wouldn't long stretches, maybe like eight or nine minutes or something like that. Uh, I think you see Junior play that, and I think you see – uh, I think David Roddy gets the minutes Zaire got. Yeah. So I, I think that's yeah. how you see that. That's how you see that play out. I have no idea where Conchar fix fits in all that. I don't either, but he's going to I hope it's David Roddy getting the con- getting the Zaire minutes over Conchar. I, I I hope. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it depends on the matchup. 
anyway, I, I do expect Junior to get minutes because I mean, for one, I, I think I don't think they want to cut T- Kennedy Chandler, so I don't think they're just gonna cut him and then no. play Junior in the playoffs. Uh, I think they're gonna need that rebounding. There'll be times when they're getting their tails out rebounded potentially, and uh, yeah, sometimes you're just gonna need that. So. I'm I'm not mad. I'm I'm curious to see how it will go and what it'll look like because when they run him out in the past, it's just kind of been, hey, go out there and play. Um, he's not really had a had any sort of role like they haven't tried to you know put him in a Stephen Adams role or anything like that or even the Tillman role. They sort of just kind of let him freelance. I don't know how that works in the playoffs or if they're gonna work on that. If if you'll see him start this next game to to give you a better idea, but either way, you're gonna see Junior and get ready. You're gonna see Conchar. Sorry, folks. It's, the, I, I apologize. Definitely, definitely the, injury report, the injury report's already out for the the last game of the season, and it looks like they're gonna have about six guys healthy, and they're hey. just gonna go out there and play 48 minutes. Like, yeah, I miss it. I miss his. Uh, I miss his BK and ask him to was he gonna suit up tomorrow, man? Because we <laughs> might we, we might need him out there. Yeah, like they they don't really have a point guard. I guess Lucas. Guess Lucas on starting point guard, and Gilliard is probably gonna going to place on tomorrow. They put him on the two-way, so I, I imagine that he's probably going to join the team and he might get some minutes tomorrow. That's probably how they handle the one. Luke will probably start and Gilliard will probably be the backup. Yep. I agree. So, get ready, folks, but that's definitely how it's about to go. But I was going to say... So, let, let's... Sport, uh, real quick. Let's uh, have, sorry. Go, go ahead. Go gonna, ahead. Sorry, man. Sorry. Yeah, but, but back to, before we move on uh, to the point that we were talking about, I know you'd like to play Jaron 40 minutes, 41 minutes in the playoffs because your your stars need to play. Uh, those minutes are going to expand, but it always goes back to Jaron with foul trouble. Can you play him that many minutes without him getting in foul trouble? And you might have to protect him. And again, I think that's another way that Lofton will come into play. I, I just don't know if you can, especially against AD, and I, I just don't know if you can play Jaron that long without him getting in foul trouble. I hope, I believe in him, man, but AD is probably the one player in the league that I have any the doubts about with, with Jared as far as foul trouble and being able to stay on the floor. He's probably the guy that I feel the most concerned about going up against. So I, I think a lot of the plays, I think it's good out of necessity. There's just going to be times where, where they need it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we may, we, we may see him more than what I'm expecting. I just, I know that, Taylor Jenkins has ran 10 man line, like the, the 10 man rotation does it during the season. We saw him do a little bit in the playoffs, but there were times when he tightened it up when, you know, I mean, you, you play every game in the playoffs to win. You don't ever just go out there expecting to lose one of them, but I, I don't know, man. I just, because of what Candace said, you know, like he Lofton is not, he's been a freelancer out there and so how is that going to how's that going to work in the playoffs? Is that going to be effective? Is it going to slow you down? And I didn't pull up stats to see what it looked like whenever he was on the floor, mostly due to the fact that a lot of the times that he's spent on the floor has been garbage time. We've seen him in more meaningful minutes recently, but I I just didn't I've been working day. I didn't have time to kind of pull it up to narrow it down to say, okay, this is where he's been effective. We know that he can score. Is he going to be serviceable on the defensive end? And is he going to be in the right places on the offensive end? What is that going to look like? And I think that 
If it's out of necessity, it's out of necessity. You got to put him out yeah, there. I mean, it's is, where I'm at on it. Yeah, he, he is an NBA player. There's no doubt about it. He deserves to be there. He, in my opinion, I think that he could have had one of the regular contracts from day one. Yeah. You know, he, he played fantastic in the G League this year, and that may have been good for him. And not that he ever lacked confidence, but, you know, going down there and dominating. Uh, I looked at his numbers earlier, so I may be off slightly on this, but he was like 20, 10, and four. Like that, that was his numbers in the G League. So he can pass the ball, he can shoot the ball, he can rebound. And you need that from a backup big. My question is this late in the season with the limited amount of minutes that he has played, how effective is he going to be? And, And now let's, in order for him to be signed, they cut Kennedy Chandler. And we were kind of, we were talking about this uh, via DM. And I said that I would prefer that they cut Conchar instead of Kennedy Chandler. And so I, like, I, I will tell you exactly why I prefer that they cut Conchar instead of Kennedy <laughs> Chandler. John Conchar, pre-All-Star break, offensive rating 114.9, defensive rating 106.4, post-All-Star break. Offensive rating is a little bit better, 115.9. Defensive rating is four points worse. His net rating dropped to plus 5.1. Still plus, I get it, I understand, not saying he's not an NBA player. I'll get to my point. The last 15 games, offensive rating dropped 112.8. Defensive rating 111.6. His net rating is two plus one. We know what John Conchar is. John Conchar is as good as he is going to be. There, There's no more ceiling for him. Can that, can he come out and is he going to come out and play in the playoffs? The answer to that question is yes, he's going to, <laughs> but I will, I will bet you right now. I will say it right now. Any minutes that he is on the floor in the playoffs is going to be a net loss for the Grizzlies. He should not. He is an NBA player. He is a regular season rotation player. He is not and will not ever be in his entire life an NBA playoff rotation player. So for me, I would prefer to have Kennedy Chandler because Kennedy Chandler has room to grow. I understand the room to grow doesn't help them at all this year, but the minutes that you're going to give the Conchar Give them to David Roddy. Give more minutes to Tyus Jones. Give more minutes to Luke Kennard. There are plenty of wings on this team that you can give the minutes to to not give those minutes to John Conchar. So if you are if you play the guys that should be playing, John Conchar should not be out there at all, period, at all. And so keeping Kennedy Chandler on this roster as opposed to John Conchar doesn't change anything for you. John Conchar should not play in the playoffs. I know that he will. I, and I think that one of you guys are probably going to make an argument that he can play impactful basketball, but he's gotten progressively worse over the course of the season, and the level of basketball in the playoffs is higher he is going to be a net loss. The Grizzlies will be negative when he is on the floor. I don't think that's going to be the case because even when he still sucked, he's still been a positive on the floor. That's the thing. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I mean, all the, all, all, 
Most of the best lineups on the year include John Cotchard, which is weird as hell, man. For reasons I cannot understand, but I mean, so I I don't think the argument that he's going to be a net a net negative on the floor is 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 really valid because we haven't seen that at his worst. At his worst, he's still somehow a net positive, even when I don't literally understand his job. Now I've been hard on John Conchar all year. I said it in preseason, and I'm 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 noticing y'all see your switch. David took it. David was team. David was team. He was team cut. Yeah, he was. I, I, I just I pointed out. He was a I pointed guy. out that he that he was when he plays Advanced at that time when I pull it up that he was a positive. The lineups <laughs> were positive when he was on the floor. But I I'm just telling you, dude, the regular season lineups where he's a positive. If they play those lineups in the playoffs, it's going to be a negative because in the regular season, when he's out there, he's playing against other 10th and 11th men in the NBA. In the playoffs, he's not going to be doing that. Uh, Okay. One, I'm going to say, I don't think every team reduces their lineup significantly in round one. Let me say that. I mean, I know it's a thing. So you might see a lot more nine-man lineups, maybe even depending on the team, maybe an eight-man lineup. I'm just not sure. Like, I mean, they're going to be bench guys playing. So there's that. Um, the reason I can't say that it's the right decision for Kennedy Chandler over Conchar is because Kennedy Chandler, he, I, he's a project man, and you can't put a project on the floor out there at all. Now, Conchar, yes, you know what he is. You're not going to get anything more from him. But you're also like, you know what he's not, right? Like he's not an expert. He's not a, you don't put a guy who's not played any NBA minutes out there on the floor in the playoffs instead of a person who you relied on all regular season long and who has some chemistry with the team. Now I've been, y'all know, I've not been a John Conchar fan. A huge reason I strongly believe you got the worst out of John Conchar is because they asked too much of him to begin with. That was my whole argument in the beginning of the preseason, if they were expecting John Conchar to be the new DeAnthony Milton, it was or John Carr and Zaire. Man, argument I was giving. Yes, everybody was saying old something. Yeah, everybody said tried to tell And John Conchar, two people who played small forward last year, by the way, were going to now play guard and be the backup the to together make up the difference from DeAnthony Milton. That I always felt like was too much to ask. You're going to ask John Conchar to come out there, give you hustle plays, give you six to eight points, and then go sit back down on the bench, give you some rebounds if you need, and if he's if he's hot, you can keep him in. That's what his job is. And I think that can extend to the playoffs. You need a guy who's going to be able to give rebounds for you on this team. So that's why I can't say he's going to be a net positive because it ain't like Dylan Brooks going to be out here getting rebounds. Somebody's got a rebound. We don't have Steven Adams. So I think he will be a net value if he doesn't do anything but just get some rebounds for him or some loose balls because they haven't been doing that very well at all either. Uh, you're seeing a lot more of the hustle plays from him as of late. If you can just do that, I'm fine with him being on the floor. Now, he is cardio. <laughs> but lately, what a K. What a K. What a K. The, the, the last two games are gonna flip you on this dude, man. It's I not just, just the last two games. He's he's been doing hustle plays for a while, but long before. I mean, like he he's always been a hustle guy. But and, and like I was I was defending him when you guys were beating up on him earlier in the year. <laughs> but we're we're not discussing 
regular season. Like this is not in a regular season setting. And so I just, you, you talk about the rebounding. I know that like he's going to do that. Yeah. But we've had discussions on here. You, as a matter of fact, brought it up about how Luke Kennard seems to find rebounds at very opportune times. Like he, he gets them. He's in the right spot. Um, like good, he has good timing whenever he gets his rebounds. Yeah. We know that we know that Lofton can rebound. We know that Santi Aldama can rebound. This team has played without Steven Adams for a while now. Jaron Jackson, the whole I, I'm so glad the only time that I've heard anything about Jaron can't rebound from like about 15 games into this season throughout the rest of it was when somebody was like that Jaron can't rebound crowd is very quiet right now because he's been going out there and he's grabbing eight, nine, 10 rebounds a game on a consistent basis. Is he going to be Steven Adams? No, we, we know that that's not going to happen, but John Conchar's rebounding is not enough for me to, to put him in the playoff rotation at all. And I, and I will, I'll concede the point that you made about the first round, the rotations are not tightened up as much that that's absolutely correct. But I still think that he will be, you got bookmark it, write it down call me out on it. I'll eat crow later. If I'm wrong, I'm fine. If I'm wrong on this, I just think that he's going to be a negative in the playoffs. And when you're watching the game with him on the floor, there's so many times that you see leads just evaporate and it's like, okay, who the hell is fluffing the numbers, bro? How is this guy a positive when they had an 18 point lead when he came on the floor and then they end the quarter with a six point lead and he finishes the game as a, a net positive. I, I don't get it. I don't know where it comes from. I, I believe in the numbers. I, I read the numbers all the time. So I think that they're accurate, but th- there's just, I, I can't believe these last, this last stretch has flipped both of you guys. It's not well, just I, I, the last stretch though. I think he's been a lot better since Luke Kennard has come. And guess what? He went back to his role. Like, I think he stopped sucking when he didn't have to try, when he didn't have to overplay anymore. Uh, now he still is cardio. Um, but, but he, he, he didn't know. He didn't. In the last 15 games, that's when his numbers have been the worst. In the last 15 games of the year, his numbers are the worst. His offensive rating is down two points. His defensive rating is up three, 3.2. Isn't like, that in less it, minutes, what's that? Isn't that in less minutes, though? It, it is in less minutes. Like they used to play him. Yeah, no, I, definitely not. Like but that's what, like, three minutes, but. Yeah, and, and like I know that he's more comfortable in the role that he's in now because this is kind of the role that he should be in. But I, I just I don't know you 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 won't convince me that he should be in the playoff rotation. But I also know that he will be in the playoff rotation. So I while I think that he shouldn't be, I'm going to be hoping that I'm wrong on this the entire time because obviously I want the Grizzlies to win. And I want him to go out there and play well. I just think it's going to be an absolute train wreck. Let me my stance. Go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, I was going to say, I I agree with you that he, over Kennedy Chandler, in a vacuum, probably made more sense to cut, especially if you're thinking long term. Because as you said, John Conchar doesn't have a ceiling. John Conchar is what John Conchar is going to be. But I, I understand from a team standpoint why they made the decision that they did. First of all, contract uh it 
contract makes more makes more money than Kenley Chandler. That, that's number one. Number two, bar an injury, there was zero chance that Kenley Chandler was in playoff minutes. Like he wasn't getting in the game ever. Like there, there's no chance of that. Dunchar, you know that they're going to put him in the game. You've seen him. Chandler didn't even get in the game in a regular season, barring unless there was some kind of injury or something going on weird. He didn't play in those games other than blowouts. Not so he had no chance. Was suspended. That yeah. was crazy. Not even when Morant was suspended that he played. So, so you had so he had zero chance of getting on the floor, and that's kind of the reason why you let him go chill over Conchar. Like I, I don't agree with the situation. I'm actually hoping if he clears waivers that they kind of bring him back. Um, we'll see what happens with that situation because I some people were like, well, they're they were just kind of done with him anyway. I don't believe that because I, I know this front office and. They gave him a lot more money than they had to as a second round pick, the highest non-European second round contract in the history of the league. And this team prized himself on player development. And I just don't believe that they were really, really ready to give up on a guy that they paid extra money to that hadn't even made it through his first year yet. Some people were like, oh, well, this was going to happen anyway. I got, got, got some conversation with some people on Twitter. I don't believe that. This, that's not this front office's MO. Gave him extra money. First year guy. They're not going to quit on him this soon. Uh, so, but as far as, as the situation with, with Conchar, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. He has been better these last two games. Uh, but, and, and I'm with Kansas. He has been even two games, a few games before then, he was making some hustle plays. And she made a great point that he's back in his requisite role. When you brought Luke Kennard back in here, I think that's why you saw these last two games is because he's now feeling more comfortable because he's in the role that he was supposed to be in. They, <laughs> Over, they they put him in a bigger role coming into the season than he should have been. They had him coming in as the backup shooting guard. This is going to be the guy to replace Melton. And I said time and time again that that was never going to be the case. And people were like, oh, Conchar is going to do this, and Zaire is going to do this, and it, it, I was like, you Conchar is not a guy that you need to be dependent on to do anything. Like if you're dependent on Conchar, your rotation is, is is in a bad spot. You don't need to be dependent on him to do anything. Yeah, he's a guy that when you need him to come yes, in, breaking, breaking. That's exactly breaking, my point, dude. Breaking case, breaking case of emergency type of guy. That okay, he if, as eleven man, I love it. He it might be the best eleven man in the league, but he shouldn't be any higher than that unless out of necessity. And that's where I am on it. And I think long term, it's a mistake because I know a lot of people don't. They didn't. A lot of people didn't have a lot of confidence in Kenny Chan on the offensive end. We know defensively is where his best potential is. But with his athleticism and, and I know his work ethic, I, I believe that he could have become a serviceable backup point guard at, at some point in the league. So long-term, it definitely doesn't make any sense. But from their their standpoint, I get it. But, yeah, cardio, I, I, I wish, just like it happened with Grayson Allen, I wish somebody would take Taylor Jenkins' toy away because that's the only way it's going to happen because as long as he's on the roster, he's going to play him regular season, playoffs, Whatever, cardio is going to be out there. Cardio with a K, and there's no doubt about that. I know a lot of fans are not going to be happy with that, but you're seeing Jitty out there to play. There's no question about it. Even if that extends the rotation to 10 or 11, he's playing. Like, and that shouldn't be, but that's what the case. That's what it's going to be. So let me clarify my stance because I don't want anybody saying I'm a contract advocate. Please, yeah, you're a contract. Please contract. Do not mistake. Man, please, I told you. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm looking at things in context. What's really important to keep in mind is there's not a ton of better options outside of him if you're going to play the guys anyway. I mean, that to me, that's really what it comes down to. Would I rather, I mean, 
am I trying to put Vince Williams Jr. out there and stay? I'm not. Like it's the playoffs at this point. If we were just talking regular season, I think yeah. I would agree with you. I would have went with Vince in the regular season for sure. I said that earlier. Right. If we're talking regular season and we had to make a choice between Kennedy, Kennedy Chandler and Conchar, I'm with you, David. But because it is the playoffs and because we not just, we the fan base and also we this podcast have complained about the Grizzlies sacrificing the now for the future. What I'm not about to do is when they make a decision <laughs> a future for now, complain about it. That's not what I'm going to do. They're doing what we've asked them to do for years. And yeah, it may not be comfortable sometimes. Yeah, it's an adjustment, but it's what the fan base and the media has been asking the Grizzlies to do. They're sacrificing some long-term potential for the short term. And that's exactly what they should have done. Now, do I wish we could have had somebody with more experience than Junior? Yes. But, that, I mean, if you look at free agency, I mean, there was just no guy you were going to put off the bench that was going to be any better. He knows the system. I 100% get the decision. It was a move forced by injury. Um, and I think I'm, I kind of agree with Isaac. I think there's a possibility you see Kennedy Chandler back, especially because with the new CBA, they now have three two-way three. Yeah. Um, per team. And the Grizzlies are definitely taking advantage of that. Of course, you got to hope he clears waivers and everything because um, you never know. That's always he ain't clearing factor. waivers. He ain't he's clearing waivers. I don't know, man. This late in the season, he might. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, he's trying to pick him up. Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Because I don't I mean, think a playoff team's not going to pick him up. No. Nah, I mean, I, I'll i be honest. I don't 100% understand exactly how the waivers work. I have to dive into that a little bit. But he he will not – if he doesn't come back to the Grizzlies, he's going to be somewhere else. He's 100% going to be somewhere else. Well, the regular else. season is basically over. What team is he going to? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. I guess a lottery team could pick him up, but I, I just – I think the chances are a lot Hell, less the, that he gets picked up at this point than – Later, if it had been earlier in the season, he could get picked up. There's definitely a, a, a lottery team out there that might say, "Oh, well, this guy has potential. He's still young. We'll pick him up." But I think there's a chance that he clears waivers. Yeah, just because of the timing, I think it's more timing. Yeah, than, you know, yeah I mean, that, that, that might be the case. But like, th- there are plenty of young teams that are not winning right now that could use a guy like Kennedy Chandler. The Rockets they don't have any games left. Yeah, no, I I know they don't. I I get that, but you know, like the, the Rockets. Kevin Porter Jr. is not a point guard. He's not like he he is a he's a shooting guard. Like he is a score first guy. Yeah. They have Jabari Smith, who is not going to create his own shot. He needs a point guard or somebody that's going to distribute him the ball. Jalen Green, fantastic player, but he's a score first guy. Like Kennedy Chandler could go over there and be the the starting point guard and be effective on that team, and and that's only one. I get that. I mean, maybe he does clear waivers and the Grizzlies get to bring him back. I did see like I hope five, so. five yeah. million dollars of that contract was guaranteed. Guaranteed. So yeah. he he got money already. You know, if he wants to stay in Memphis, the opportunity I think is going to be there for him. Uh, I I just hate it. I, I know. I like the point that you made, Candace, about you know we've been on this show. We, as in us on the podcast, have been wanting them to make a move for the the now instead of always waiting on the future. But this is like, dude, it's I can't even say it out loud because it sounds terrible. This is not it. Like, this is just not the move. John, 
John Conchar is not the the win now move that that we were looking for. I know that that's what this was, but well, it's it was really about Junior. That's not it's not a choice between John Conchar and Kenny. Yeah, Kenny. it's I, just about like I I get like the money and all of that, but it's about getting the, there's the, there's a lot of logistics that that you know because play into this, but the choice I, I just, is Junior or Chandler. Because I would yeah. say it, it it because yeah, and you have literally, to go literally if, if you're looking through it through the prism of this playoffs. Kenny Chandler was a racing roster spot. Like he wasn't playing. Like there's no way you you know Jim, John Conchar but, should be. John Conchar should well, be. Well, but I guess even position wise, at least he's the, played for you all year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's been playing. Kenny Kenny ain't playing in the playoffs. There was zero chance. He was the only guy on the roster that you could probably say there was a zero percent chance that he was going to play. Like it was just the obvious one that you would pick. And I, I know that sounds harsh, and I agree with David because I love Kenny Chandler. Me and, me and David, when we were doing draft coverage, he was one of our guys. And I like the fact that he was from Memphis and to have a Memphis guy on the team. I love all of that. But I get it from their standpoint in a vacuum. I agree with you. If I had to to take one of the guys, a guy off the team, it'd be Conchar with Chandler. But I, I get why they did it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's like, I'm not naive enough. I, I, I understand the, the financial part of it. And I think that the point that Candace is making about, you know, Jenny is more likely to play positive impact basketball in the playoffs than Kennedy Chandler. I, I don't disagree with those points. I just, for me, basketball reasons, I, I like Kennedy Chandler there. And if Conchar was gone, we wouldn't have to worry about the train wreck of, of minutes that we're <laughs> going to see here in the playoffs. Okay. So here, here's all right. <laughs> I think here's what you're going to see. You're going to see a couple minutes of cardio. Now, he only got seven minutes of playoffs. I did look it up, right? In the seven minutes, he averaged 1.1. The reason why – so I feel like you're right, David. It's not going to be great. Like, like contract's going to do something to piss everybody off. But I think he also do a couple of things to, like, you know, maybe save the day. Or if I'm completely wrong, at the very least, you won't even notice he's on the court. I don't think a train wreck – is the thing like he may be out there literally just kind of invisible, and yeah, that'll be irritating. But at the worst, he's just gonna blend into the background and annoy you by being there. Um, but I don't think it'll be a train wreck. He's not gonna be out there enough for it to really be a train wreck. It's not like they were gonna run the offense through Conchar. That's a train wreck. Um, <laughs> that's a train wreck. It won't be that bad, but it also won't be good. I think that's the reason. I think that's the reason why we see Conchar play. I, I don't. I don't agree with it because I think you could have used those minutes better. Vin, yeah. Playing Vince Williams Jr. would have been better for the future. Giving more minutes to Roddy would have been better for the future. But I think Taylor Jenkins plays him because he's a guy that just kind of blends in and he uses him to kind of get through some minutes and, and try to, to hold him over till they can bring guys back in. And he's not. Usually he's not going to do anything because you see for even for somehow he still ends up being a plus. So somehow numbers wise, he doesn't hurt you when he's out there, even though your eyes tell you something differently. I think Taylor Jenkins just kind of uses him as a placeholder to kind of forward in the game. And he's not a guy that's going to go out there and really do anything reckless. So he just puts him out there for, for, so for, for a few minutes. And then he just gets over with that. And I think that's the reason why he likes it. Baby, because yeah. he, Sorry. I'm I'm getting excited. I'm so glad I looked this up because this, you know what his net rating was in seven minutes a game. He played in eight games last year in the playoffs. His net rating was negative thirty two point one. Negative thirty two point one. 
Mic drop. I'm done. I ain't saying well, nothing else the rest okay, of the podcast. It depends on, right? depend on what part of the game it was. Like, if yeah. they were getting blown out or something, they, they might have put blowouts. it out. Yeah, that, that might be. I got injured. Um, yeah, so when they played the Warriors, they lost that game by, like, what, 31, one of those games? Yeah. Two, let me say this. In the wins. Negative 32 out there. <laughs> tell me your favorite contract disaster, because I can't think of one. Man, like, negative 32. Even though he was negative thirty two on the court, nobody remembers any. No, because I don't. I don't know that man. I don't because, remember messing up that bad. <laughs> exactly, exactly the point. So I, I, you're not wrong. I just don't think it'll be a train wreck because even, even then, it's not. Like, yeah, no, when, like when Dylan you, Brooks pissed everybody. Yeah, off. No, I'm saying he's not gonna do anything. He's not, he's not gonna go out there and go over seven from three. He's not gonna be oh. shooting like that. Like he's just gonna be out there. <laughs> That's the thing, and I guess. Him being out there can lose you the league because I guess he's not. People call him a good defender, and he hasn't been that at all this year. No, but man. but he's just out there. He's not like he's jacking up a whole lot of shots and missing them like Dylan does at times and, and things like that. He's just getting cardio, as we call him. He's running up and down the court. That's that's it. So you don't really remember specifically him messing up, but his presence out there just makes the overall team worse at those times. It's not going to be good. I'm not advocating for that. I'm yeah. just saying it won't be the train wreck. I, I don't even think you'd really notice it unless you're really paying attention um, and really looking for it. I will add this, though, eh, and maybe it's just a part of the development process, but Roddy's looked terrible on switches lately. I, I've seen him regress when it comes defensively. I, I thought he was kind of doing better the past month after his like hot streak offensively. He he when it comes to leaving the three point line wide open, like him and sometimes Dylan Brooks are some of the main corporate uh, culprits on that. Yeah, um, I don't get it. For that reason, now Contrar always sags off his man and it may, it irritates me to my soul. But at least he's not getting I mean, at least he's on the same side as a court. Sometimes I, when David Roddy switches in the playoffs, now, I'm not saying that Roddy shouldn't get minutes because he should, but I am saying that's just another reason why you can't roll J- David Roddy out there double the minutes because of those type of rookie mistakes he's going to make that Conchar, while less talented, can still offset some of that by just at least being in the vicinity of his man, even if it is like, you know, eight feet off the guy. I just don't understand why they continue to do that. And it has to be scheme. Because yes. and you got Jaron on the back line. Like, why is everybody in the paint? Why are your guards yes. in the paint sagging off? I don't – I do not get that. And they see they've been getting burned all year with, with teams shooting threes. And everybody wants to make the excuse, oh, well, they just had a lucky night. It's no. not a lucky night when teams are doing it every game. Even when – even in wins, there are times where they give up a lot of a lot of three-point shots, like wide-open three-point shots. Um, and, and for some reason, they continue to sag off. And I don't understand that because it's not needed. You don't need all of When you have Jaron back there, you don't need your whole team sacking off the, the guard, sacking off the man and in the paint. Like, no. uh, and you see it over and over when they're that Pelicans game. The and same play. Better to give up the two than the three. Yeah, so oh, what? 100%. So what if Jaron misses and he gets a layup? Okay. That's what I'm they beat you. They beat you in the paint. Like, you, you would rather so I, – I disagree with that a little bit. Sorry. You good, man? No, I'm dying. I took a drink of water before I started talking and almost choked myself out. Man, drowning over there. Get it together, man. You good? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good. I'm good. Don't don't call the ambulance. I'm good. Uh, 
So <laughs> did you want when, when this is, a, you know, you talked about your eyes kind of deceiving you a little bit. I can't remember if it was, if it was Candace or Isaac that said it when JV was on this team, he would drive yeah. me insane. dude. Like I would want to bang my head through the wall because when he's playing drop, like mid range shooters were destroying the team and you, you would like, you want to defend the rim. You don't want to give up the rim. That's going to be the highest percentage shot on the floor is at the rim. So yeah, you, you want to defend the three better, but I, I don't agree with letting them have like a path to the rim because they, I'd rather them shoot that three than get to the rim. But because Jaron is there, they should not like you guys are right on that. They should not be sagging off in that Pelicans game. I had the, I had the Pelicans broadcast. That's just the way that I have to watch the Grizzlies games. I don't get to choose. I watch whatever it's on and they were slowing it down. And they were talking about Desmond Bain on the defensive end of the floor and how tight he was playing his man because he knew that he had Jaron Jackson as a backdrop back there. But there are, I can't tell you how many times this year. Well, I can just go back to that Pelicans game. There were at least two times that Trey Murphy didn't have anybody within nine feet of him on that. Oh, probably more more than that. And and he was, he was one of the best (laughs) shooter. Like he was probably the best shooter on the floor that night. And so, yeah, we, we see that happen time and time again, where they're, they're sagging off. They should definitely be closer on the three point, like not sagging as much off of their man. But I I don't want to give up free lanes to the rim. That's that's not it either. I'm gonna say the same thing with Herb Jones. I know Herb Jones is not a shooter, and that's mm-hmm. not what he does normally. But at some point, you have to make an adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> they just continue to let him shoot wide open. At some point, you got to realize, okay, this is his night. Like we got to guard this dude out of the perimeter. And I, I don't know, man. I, I, you just seen it a lot this year. It just seems like they want to sag out. Even Dylan. People talk about Dylan's on ball defense. But there are times where he sags off his man and lets guys. The whole team is 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 guilty of it. It's not just him, and I, and I it has to be a scheme thing because I, I just can't believe they continue to do it if it wasn't because the guys on this team they don't have really locked down defenders on this team on the perimeter outside of Dylan, but Desmond Bain's not terrible defensively. He's definitely much improved, and I, I just don't believe that they can't do it. It has to be something that they're scheme to do, and I don't understand why you would steer towards that when you have a guy like the defensive player of the year on on the back line. I, I've just never understood that. That's one thing that that's perplexed me perplexed me all season with this team is why they continue to do it. You see it time and time again, and teams figured it out, and Pelicans figured it out, and they just kept going to the same thing. It was the same play, cut over and over and over, and leaving guys wide open. Man, they knocked down the shots. That's something that they have to do a better job of in the playoffs. But look, thankfully the Lakers, that's not really a team that you have that big a concern because Beasley is the guy that comes off the bench and knocks down threes, or I don't know if he's starting now, what's going on with their lineup. But outside of that, they're not a team either. So I don't know, man. It's just something that I've noticed that they they really struggle with this year. And and I think it's scheme, and I, I've never understood why when you have a defense back on your back line, it, it's definitely not needed on this team more than it is even on some others. Yeah. So I, I don't, so you're, you're correct at analytically, David. Now one, 
I feel this. I feel I feel like that's not going to be as much the case five years from now. Because the way these players coming in now, like five years from now, I, I just I mean any any it's basically any player it can shoot a wide open three. I think I think we're approaching that point where that's just becoming the trend. Where I mean, there as people look for more modern bigs and like the Warriors, yeah, yeah. Like I I just think you know we're more refined technique and shooting here, even at the high school level. I think that the three point shot is yeah generally it's been known as less analytically probable but i'm if you don't leave a guy wide open that changes your chances dramatically so i so for that reason it's why i disagree with that but i it's a good point david and the other thing too is i mean even if that's the scheme i don't know if it, part of it is a scheme and i also don't know if they just don't know how to execute the scheme ever because they shouldn't be that wide open no there's no way some of it is ball watching yeah, that, that, that's what some of it. D- Dylan is guilty of that. Yeah, as good as he is on ball, when he is the off ball defender, he's very guilty of, of ball watching and his man sliding a few feet to the left or right and getting a wide open three. True, very very good point. So so yeah, I, that's why I say I'd rather them give up the two than three. I do. You're right. Like they're more, obviously they're more likely to get that two points. But I just feel like at this point, what we've seen with the Grizzlies, they're guaranteed to get the three. It's up there, yeah. Russell Westbrook went. How, how many three point shots did he get up on us? At least five, like in uh, a half. And, and Robert Covington, seven of seven. I mean, it's, yeah, come on. Yeah, like that, that shouldn't be happening, man. Especially for a team that hangs their that hangs their head on defense, like I, I don't know, man. That that just shouldn't be happening. At some point, you have to realize, okay, we got we got to stop this. Like we can't continue to leave these guys wide open. And there are games where they just let guys bum them to death, and they never really adjust to it. Uh, we saw that against the Clippers game. We saw it against the Pelicans. They, we saw some a little bit in the Bucks game early on, but it they shorted up as the game went on and got a lot better. It was pretty bad early in that game, but it wasn't like it was against the Pelicans. And that's all the reason why if you just stand in front of your man and at least contest, it makes a world of difference because, see, what happens is the guys get hot. See, the Pelicans were hot in the fourth because they had all game with these wide-open shots. So by the time the Grizzlies adjusted slightly, or at least some of them adjusted, it just didn't matter anymore because they're already in a rhythm. So that that's really what frustrates me the most about the scheme is like they – it's. I really think you should come out there looking to contest perimeter shots, especially if it's been an ongoing problem for your team. I hope that changes in the playoffs, but it does help. I agree, Isaac. The Lakers aren't known for that, but who knows, man? We're we're about your movie can can go from I don't know. I'm just scared of of anybody. It just seemed like bums just have career. Yeah, games. I mean, it could be anybody. Like D'Lo started going off of three. Ball. Like it, it, it doesn't matter. D'Lo might go five or five or three. Yeah. Never know what this team would just seem. If Herb Jones going off on you like that, anybody can can go off. Because he's an NBA player. At the end of the day, it's getting to your point. If if they get confidence early in the game, that can linger and last the entire game. They're like, oh, well, they're gonna leave me wide open. I'm getting these layup uh, practice line shots, um, and so I, and I'm making them, and I'm feeling good. And they can continue the whole game. And once they get hot, it's hard to stop. Yep. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap this up. I don't know what time we actually started, but I know we we've gone close to an hour, maybe a little bit over at this point. Oh, is that, yeah, it's, and, it's good, good conversation. I, I've enjoyed it. I wanted to get on here and and talk about it because this was big stuff for the Grizzlies. It, it impacts what's going to happen in the playoffs. 
but you know, I I'm still confident in this team. I still think that they have a shot. Uh, this team has been playing well with without Stephen Adams, and you know, I, obviously the the Kennedy Chandler move doesn't do anything. He wasn't playing anyway, but uh, you know, it, it's going to be you. Your depth is not there. Two of your two guys that should have been rotation playoff guys are not there in Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. And it's tough when you had heading into the playoffs, if you have healthy Brandon Clark, healthy Steven Adams, you got Aldama coming off of the bench, you got Roddy, you have X coming off of the bench, you have a little bit of depth, and now that depth is gone. Your depth is Aldama and Kenny Lofton Jr., Maybe that turns out better for the Grizzlies, but I, I just don't know that that's going to be the case. Still optimistic, though. I, I would love to uh, have a parade in Memphis. That would be glorious. We will get out of here. We appreciate you guys tuning in. I still can't believe that you are a conchite, Candace. Candace, oh, conchite. No, <laughs> <laughs> you can get the show on Twitter at Eat Those Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D Will 2 1. You find me on Twitter at Candace H901. Isaac, take us home. Yeah, man. I, I just want to send a shout out to, to my guy, Junior, man. I was the captain of the free Junior train early on, man. I tried to tell people, and I'm still not. I know some people think, oh, well, he needed the season in the G League. Lofton could have done what he's doing right now from game one. He's done it on every level. He's always, he's a dog. He's always been a hooper. Like that G League stuff, that was light work, man. You see, he won rookie of the year down there. He's, just down there killing guys. He he was ready from year one, day one, man. He should have been on a get the rotation and them having bigs and not having a spot for him. But talent-wise, when you look at this class, he should have had a regular contract from day one. So I'm glad to see him get the bag. Didn't want it like this, man, but but glad he's going to get the opportunity. Glad they're going to lock him up uh, because he had like a some kind of weird deal where he would have been restricted. So that was a possibility that they could have lost him. So I'm, I'm just kind of glad that they locked him up because I definitely think he's going to be a player. I know it's He's different than what you're used to in a modern NBA and kind of what you want to look at bigs as being in this, in this day and age. But Charles Barkley, he, baby. Charles Barkley. High IQ, man. I I think he can improve on the defensive end. I know physically there's going to be some limitations there, but I, I think he's going to work hard. And one thing I do want to say about him is the moment is not going to be too big for him. Like, again, man, he's a dog. He's been playing on a high level for years. The playoffs, the lights, that's not going to bother him at all, man. He's If his number gets called, he's going to be ready to go, man. So, shout out to Junior. Got that bag. Uh, Grizzlies take on the Thunder tomorrow in the season finale, 2.30 p.m. Uh, now that the Mavericks lost to the Bulls uh, last night, OKC is locked up that 10 seed, so they don't have anything to play for either, which I'm kind of happy because they'll probably rest guys, and that makes the game more even. I was kind of looking at the standings. Denver lost today. So if they Denver loses their last game and the Grizzlies would beat OKC, they would finish tied with the Nuggets. And they have the tiebreaker, and I didn't want the one seed anyway. But I would love to be able to look back and say Grizzlies tied for the best record in the West. So uh, I would like to see that happen tomorrow. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Fine in the West for sure, man. You tied for the best record. What are they going to say about that? But, uh, yeah, you can get the show at Eat Those Grizzlies, man. Go over there and give us a like and a follow. Definitely appreciate that. You can find me on my personal page at Isaac double underscore NBA, I-S-A-A-C, double underscore NBA. Man, we'll definitely be back, uh, taking a look back at that OKC game and looking back at the season and previewing uh, whoever that matchup is, the Grizzlies matchup in the first round. More than likely it's going to be the Lakers, but we'll find out for sure on Tuesday night. So be on the lookout for that. So until next time, we're gone.